Well, I'm coming off of a disease myself, so um, forgive the cough drops and the, the low energy <clears throat> and that. Um, good morning. Hi, someone said hi. Um, so this verse um, is interesting. Called it in staff the story or the the tale of the apocalyptic bridesmaids. It's kind of um, it's kind of ominous in tone, you know, and um, but it's paired against that beautiful reading from the wisdom of Solomon about wisdom. And um, and so what we have here is a contrast between wisdom and foolishness. Wisdom in when the prophets when uh, when the writers of the epistles, when Jesus talks about wisdom, it's not an accumulation of knowledge. It's not like an acquisition of skills. It's something of an eternal texture. It's wisdom in a sense, as we read and this morning, it's given to us. It's given to us by the Holy Spirit. It's a way of seeing ourselves and the world in light of the reality of Christ. So the wisdom of God, as Paul says, can be seen to the world as foolishness. Are you with me on that? The wisdom of God can be seen to the world as foolishness. And so what we have is the wisdom of the world as contrasted to the wisdom of God. Jesus has been talking about the end times, He's been talking about the unraveling of created order, the end of all things, and he's told a series of stories to his disciples in this chapter, or the chapter before in Matthew chapter 24. Now he gets to chapter 25, and he's talking about the coming of restoration itself, Christ embodied on the earth with us. We don't know how that's going to work. We don't know what that means. There was a popular, um, I would say, heresy that arose in the, about the 1900s, or around the 1900, you know, 1920, um, dispensationalism. It, uh, it was kind of a grid for making sense of Scripture, and it answered questions that can't really be answered by dividing all of created order up into, like, segments. Um, one thing that dispensationalism did is it, uh, it inserted this belief into the American church that the world will get worse and worse and worse, and then Christians will be kind of zapped, and um, I forgot what it's called now. The rapture, yes, that we'd all get zapped away, and then the rest of the world would go through this really horrific time. Uh, I mean, just sounds American, doesn't it? You know, we escape all tribulation and suffering while everyone else gets to go through it. Um, but what that did is it created this funny view of the end times that we should just let the world go. We should just let things get worse because it's not our true home. And while some of that is true, it isn't our true home. Uh, you see it play in theology, in public policy, in politics. It's kind of 
well, it's going to get worse anyway. It's all going to burn anyway. Why does it matter? But for one, it's unbiblical. I would again say it's heretical. Um, and thirdly, it's not how Jesus explains the end times at all. The bridegroom comes back to what? To war? To flames and fire? Where does the bridegroom arrive at the end of all things? What, what's going on in this story? It's a wedding feast. I mean, most weddings are supposed to be good, right? For the most part. Are you with me on that? <laughs> so he's coming back to something that it's, it's, it's the kind of accumulator of the, my brain's not working. It's the ending of a relationship that has been cared for and what's well, it's a, it's a wedding. I'm going to get out of that sentence because my brain is obviously not working. Um, but he's coming back. He's coming back. He's the bridegroom and the church is the bride. So the human family could be the bride. It depends on how deep you feel like the restoration of Christ goes in the earth. But he's coming back and he's saying, some of you are wise and some of you are foolish. Wise bridesmaids, they had enough oil. Well, why were they carrying around lamps at a wedding anyway? In the Jewish tradition, and Jesus is kind of working with what he has. So he's saying, it's kind of like how you do your weddings. In the Jewish tradition, you would have the wedding ceremony at the bride's house. And you have the feast at the bridegroom's house. And it was like a week, sometimes two weeks, of just dancing and partying and wine. And I mean, it was awesome. And so what happens is that they have the, the wedding ceremony at the bride's house. And then the bridegroom goes and does what he does and changes or whatever. Everyone's kind of doing their costume change. And then the bridegroom comes to the bride's house and gets her and then leads people back to his house for the party, right? And that usually happened at night. And so the role of the bridegroom or the, the bridesmaids were to carry the lamps, to be the light in the middle of darkness so they could find their way back to the party. With so Jesus is saying, some of these who were wise, they brought enough oil. And some of them didn't. And they are foolish. What's that saying to us? How does that apply? I think for one, it calls us to have an eternal mindset. And I know that's hard. Especially when, if you're like me, every time I see the New York Times trying to tell me something, I'm like, I can't right now. So then I wait until <laughs> so I'm in a good mood and then read the news. I don't know if you're like me on that. There's so much going on in our world that is horrific. It's kind of just depressing, and it pushes down on us. And there's times, honestly, that when things are going good for me, I'm like, I don't know if I actually deserve things to go good for me because there's so much going on in our world. How do you reconcile that? And when you feel that way, 
when we feel that way, after, and not trying to talk about, like, I don't want the story to be Bloom just talks about things that are hard. I'm just trying to give voice to what actually is happening. It's tough. Globally, the human family is hurting. And we have our own stuff, right? Our kids are sick. We're sick. Finances, inflation, all this stuff, right? And when the spirit is pressed down in that way, it's, it's easy to lose sight of eternity. We start thinking just about the now. And that just happens. That's, that's humans. When we're pressed down like that, and when things seem too hard, we tend to, we tend to narrow our focus. Our, actually, our posture does this. Our posture tends to pull in because we're protecting, and we start to look at the next thing, the next task in front of us. hard to keep eternity in mind. But that is wisdom. That's what Jesus is saying. That's wisdom. These bridesmaids that had eternity in mind. It's wisdom. I was getting out of the car with my son, Caleb, this morning. And he gets out of the car. He's ready to go to church. He jumps in front of the, you know, well, jumps in the street. And this lady was driving really fast on Logan. So I like push him out of the way, and then she kind of snarls at me and drives on. And I was like, Caleb, you got to look. And he's like, yeah, that would have been pretty bad. God would have come and gotten me real quick. (laughs) (laughs) And he just went about his day. And I said, what would that have looked like? And he said, I don't know. I guess God would have come and got me, and it would have been okay. And... (laughs) And then he says, you know, he does more things than just the weather, Dad. (laughs) You know, kids have this way of being in touch with eternity more than we do. Hasn't been kind of beaten out of them. Like, they still hope. And I think in these times, it's good for us to remember we haven't been left here. Whatever it looks like, we have no idea whatever it means. The bridegroom is coming. Christ is with us in the midst of it all. So what does he say? He says, be ready, be watchful. Have your spirit tuned to me, to eternity, to return, to restoration, right? Don't be people who've just given up on buying oil because you've decided I'm just here on my own. Healing is never coming. Restoration is never coming. We're just on this rock and we're going to just die. Keep your lamp full. What does it mean to keep your lamp full? There's a lot of metaphor between the spirit and oil especially in the New Testament and the Psalms. So I can't help but see it that way and propose it to us that way. That perhaps keeping our lamp full, looking towards restoration, maintaining hope in our hearts, even though it feels like we've been forgotten and this whole thing is going to pot. It's receiving the Holy Spirit. 
It's having that place in us that the desires for more, for love, for presence, to be open, to receive the Holy Spirit. And you can't get that from other people. I think what's, what's really sad about this is that the foolish ones in the story who can be me in any given day, they panicked and they looked to others. They said, give us what you have. And they said, we can't. We can't. Do you remember when we were talking about gratitude, that, that um, gratitude of spirit that I talked about? Freely we have been given, so freely give. Do you remember when Jesus said that to his disciples? He said that in the context of the Holy Spirit. He was talking about the Holy Spirit and all the Holy Spirit is for us. Christ's presence within us, filling us, empowering us, giving us hope, giving us perspective, giving us wisdom. He said, freely I've given you the Holy Spirit you've received, so now freely give the Holy Spirit to others. How do we give the Holy Spirit to others? How do you do that? Love and grace. Yes, that's giving what we've been given to others. How do you give the Holy Spirit, though? I think what this story tells us is that you can't. God gives the Holy Spirit. So then how do we give the Holy Spirit away? (laughs) We're filled with the Spirit, and we tell people where to get the Spirit, right? Are you with me on this? Love and grace, kindness, healing that flows from us. And it goes back to our commitment to hospitality. When that is how we are, restorative in our world, full of hope, full of peace, seeing eternity, that creates the space. The Celtics called it a thin space. That when people are in our presence, they feel something different. They feel the texture of eternity, the wind of the Spirit. Just from being in our presence, that love, that grace, that healing they experience is coming from us. Hospitality is creating a space in our world for the eternity to break through for the sake of others. So we create this space that others would say, come Holy Spirit and fill me. Are you with me on that? I've had a lot of people, more than usual, write back or text and say, man, that generosity of the Spirit is something I've been thinking about. Giving to others on a supernatural level. And I want to boil it down to prayer. How do we pray for others? See, creating space for people to encounter the Holy Spirit, to receive the Holy Spirit, that should be like what we're about, right? That they would know that they're loved. Presence of Christ is within them, dwells within them. So how are we creating space for that to happen? And I would just submit this, this one way that we can do that is prayer. And prayer, as we said before, does not mean 
you know, like Austin comes to me and I say, dear God, you know, Austin's going through a hard time. He, uh, blah, 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 blah. Like we kind of give God this PowerPoint, right, of what's been going on and we just talk. That's not prayer. Prayer is a posture of openness. Right? We invite people into our presence and maybe prayer is as simple as come Holy Spirit. Be with this person. Right? Fill their lamp. Give them the oil. Give them eternal perspective that they would see eternity, that they would want restoration to come. They know that you haven't left us here, but you're with us. The bridegroom is coming. My lamp is full. So here's the thing. Let's this week and through this season and through Advent be very aware of that. Full of the Spirit, God, fill me in every deep place, in every pain, in every hope, in every desire, in every frustration, fill me that I would look for you and then help me to make space. Not that I can give it to them per se, but that I make, that I make space for others to encounter you. It's supernatural. It's not a track, right? It's not a list of things. It's a way of being in the world, having your lamp full. Are you with me? Okay, we never do this, but let's just be bold. Who wants to be prayed for? Does anyone want prayer? Can you come here? What's your name? Luke, nice to meet you. Odd way to meet somebody. (laughs) So when we pray for people, what are we doing in essence? What? Yes, we're asking God to come and fill them. We're not solving problems. We're We're not doing anything, right? We're just, we want people to experience the Holy Spirit. How can we pray for you? Family troubles. Okay, who wants to try to pray? Ryan Finley. Can you come pray? Who else? Are you okay to pray? Who wants to pray? Yeah. Yeah, come over here. You can do this at King Supers, right? I don't know, I'm kind of like... But this is all that we're going to do. Luke again? Okay, Luke has family troubles. So first of all, we ask the Holy Spirit to come. So let's do that right now. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come, all of us. And that's as simple as saying, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, we want you here. It's the oil in our lamp. Some of you can feel the spirit in your body. Just keep saying yes to the Holy Spirit. Give us that eternal perspective.
And now what we're going to do with Luke, with our friend that we're praying for, is that's what we're going to do for him. We're just, no show, just totally normal. We're just going to say, Spirit fill. Spirit fill Luke right now. Fill him up. If you're up here, that's your prayer. So Spirit of God, fill our brother. Fill his body from head to toe. Okay, people praying. A lot of times, the Holy Spirit gives us a vision or a word of encouragement. So if any of you have that, then just speak it out over Luke. Just wait. So we just got a word about warmth and comfort. So we just speak that over Luke. Spirit of God, be comfort, be warmth. Okay, so just another word about jet stream coming on there, like presence, that breath of God, we see that. Luke, I don't know what this means, but I just keep getting a picture of a swing set. If you want a swing set, so I'll give that to you. <laughs> okay. So he just keep saying, Spirit of God, fill your son, who you love, fill him up. Yeah. Did that resonate? Yeah, I saw it in your body. So when Peg just said what she said about this cool mix of warrior and open, tender-hearted, his body just kind of, that's what we're looking for. Spirit of God filling, filling someone entirely in their body. So yes, just keep doing what you're doing, Spirit of God. We say yes to you. So we just check in. So how are you doing? Yeah. You're good? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Good. Okay. So here's the thing. He says he's good. He says it was appreciated. Like that's the spirit's work, right? I don't know what's going on. Spirit does. 
So we're just gonna we're just gonna pray a sealing of that. So Spirit of God, just be with your with your Son. Seal all these things and protect them in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So someone hang out with Luke and see how he said. <laughs> okay. So there it is right there. I didn't plan on doing that, so thank you guys. That is live what it looks like to, to, to receive the Holy Spirit and to create a space for other people to receive the Holy Spirit. And it's God's work. Did you notice there's not a lot of advice giving? There wasn't, you know, this and that. Did you notice that? Yeah? That's what it looks like. And know what? That's who we are in the world. We are people whose lamps are full, full of expectation, full of hope, full of the presence of Christ. And we want that for the world. We want that for others. That's how we bring people into the presence of Christ. There's no convincing. There's nothing like that. It's just Spirit of God to fill. You still doing okay? Good, good. Any feedback, any questions? I know this is, I'm just kind of making this up as I go. <laughs> Anything? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it takes courage, you're right, on both sides. Anything else? Question, comment? Trust? Yeah. Yeah, Peg was saying trust. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, success is kind of just a false paradigm. Yeah, Amy was saying there's no pressure on us and we're receiving as well. It lets God be God. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, 
So it felt different this year? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no, I look, Paul says there's no condemnation in Christ. It's freedom. That, he really means that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, a lot of it, and this is the wisdom of the world, you know, kind of the wisdom piece is that um, we know that we don't always see what's going on eternally, right? And it's not to write it off and say nothing happened. It's kind of what Claire was saying, that um, success kind of flies out the window, you know? But it's more about our hearts. Are we, are we open? Are we ready, as Jesus says? Are we prepared? Are we wanting? And so there's been many times that people pray and like nothing happens. But then something happens like a few days later, right? Or we just keep coming with this attitude of, expectancy. Does that make sense? But I think that kind of hits at that place of we come into the presence of God thinking we're either going to succeed or fail. And we put our own metrics on it, right? I mean, I do this. I'm not saying you do this. And, um, and then we judge the experience by that set of metrics. And then we come out either a failure or a success. And there's this kind of like divine ambivalence that we have to have of like, it's not, like Lori said, it's not my thing. It's Christ. And whether or not I discern something happening or not. Does that make sense? But this is something that we can grow in together. And it's been on my, yeah, ever since we talked about uh, generosity of spirit. You know, what does it mean? And this is kind of what it looks like that we freely give that which we have been given, which is the presence of Christ to others. So just play around with it, you know? Well, this, this guy, I've told about this, and I'll, I'll be quiet and then we can move on. He, um, he would see just amazing stuff and he would walk up to people and just go, can I pray for you? And they're like, oh, are you a pastor? And he's like, no, I'm just seeing if this works. But he had this really open, like, he just decided um, to be a conduit. His lamp was full, was full of expectation, and then he saw people, his lamp was empty. It was as simple as that. He said, I want, I want to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. So that's what I mean, just try it. Try it with a friend. <laughs> try it with a stranger in the grocery store. That's what my wife used to do. Before kids. <laughs> kids are not. Yeah, we'll just stop there. <laughs> but let this story be for you an invitation into a new way of being in the world, full of expectancy and hope, and to see that for others. That's the spirit does that. The spirit wants us, enables that, us to want that for others. So that's really, it's pretty simple. <laughs>